Welcome to the Modern Cloister, where we cultivate deeper thinkers and worshipers through conversations about the Christian life. In the same spirit as the community conversations that took place during the Reformation at the Black Cloister, the former monastery and home of Martin Luther and his wife, Katharina von Bora. I'm Carissa, and I'm here with Kevin, and today we are rounding out our series on studying the Bible. With a new year in front of us, we are taking this time to look ahead and hopefully provide some tools and resources to help all of you who may be committing to new goals and resolutions about reading your Bible more. We know that when you set out to read your Bible, oftentimes people think about getting a new Bible or looking for new resources. But often the second you go online to start researching what's out there, it can become extremely overwhelming with all the options, all the translations, and all the different entry points into deeper study. And so our hope is that through this series and covering things like translations and study Bibles and today commentaries will help bring a little bit of clarity and simplicity to something that is often a mystery and a bit overwhelming. So today we're going to be talking specifically about commentaries. And if you've joined us for the past two episodes, you've already walked through translations and study Bibles with us and have an idea for that foundational resource. From there, we're going to talk a little bit about commentaries um, because they really are that final step, in a sense, of study of the Bible along the way. And so before we begin, a lot of people may have the question, what really is a commentary? And in particular, how is it different from, for example, a study Bible? So Kevin, talk to us a little bit about what commentaries are. Yeah, it's, it's basically the study Bible notes, but expanded. Yep. So nice and simple. <laughs> so when exactly did they begin? What is the history of commentaries and and how have they kind of evolved? Yeah, commentaries pretty much exist for all religious texts. You can find them for Hindu text, um, pretty much everyone around the world, you know, definitely predating Christ. Uh, for instance, the Babylonian and the Jerusalem Talmud, uh, which is not necessarily commentary in the way we think of it in the modern sense. They kind of expound on some, I guess the expounding on things is where the commentary, but they also bring in some theological things and some other topics. So they took the Torah and then they wrote the Talmud out of that and you would kind of read those together. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the basis, certainly for early Christian writers, because they would have been familiar at least to some level with that. And um, they actually predate study Bibles. If you listen to our last episode about study Bibles, those really came with the printing press. But commentaries would be kind of a separate scroll. So you'd have a scroll for maybe, what, the Psalms, which actually probably a couple scrolls. Mm -hmm. And then you'd have a scroll of of commentaries on it, and you'd read them side by side. And they'd be at monasteries. Um, The earliest church fathers wrote commentaries. I think going back to Irenaeus in the 3rd century, 2nd century, he he wrote uh, multiple commentaries. But because they would also write essentially sermons and sermon notes, and they would publish those, and then they would expound on those, and those kind of became what we would consider commentaries. So, of course, once we had the printing press, writing full-on commentaries on every book of the Bible, expounding volume after volume after volume, uh, just exploded in the Reformation. So Luther wrote commentary, I believe, on every book of the Bible. Uh, Knox wrote, I think, a a single, singular, or maybe two-volume. Calvin hit every book of the Bible. A lot of people know uh, John Calvin for his systematic theology, the Institutes of Christian Religion, but that was actually his attempt to make his commentary shorter because they were becoming so massive, he wanted to pull the theology out and put them sideways to reference them. So mm-hmm. they just really became uh, massive after the Reformation. And um, I think last last week we mentioned the Schofield Bible as being a very popular study Bible, and that kind of, those kind of commentary notes 
certainly expanded in the 1800s. And once that Bible became popular, I think that became the gateway for other people <laughs> and uh, the gateway drug <laughs> gateway. In, into commentaries. But they are old. I think probably a famous one, especially for our, our reform dish audience, would be um, Matthew Henry's commentary. I think it was a five-volume work uh, on the whole Bible. So... Um, Pretty popular, especially at the printing press. And then, of course, in the last 50, 70 years, just exploded in popular culture. You know, mm-hmm. every every church has them. Most pastors have multiple ones on their shelves. Sunday school teachers have them. People uh, who want to teach the Bible, people who want to know the Bible. Mm-hmm. And there's just a ton of them. And that's one of the reasons we want to do this one today. Yeah, it's, it's really important. <clears throat> and commentaries are actually something that I've gotten into only in the past couple of years. It wasn't part of, of my study in a personal sense until the recent years, and I found so much value in being able to, to look to them for a lot of, of understanding. And so a typical question, and, and probably one that I would have had years ago before really understanding it, was what do they really do? And at a really simplistic level, they explain the faith. They explain the text that you're reading. And they help expand understanding in different ways, depending on the commentary, of course. But another particularly neat thing about them is that they really bring a lot of insight and views into difficult parts of the Bible in particular, Mm -hmm. and a lot of areas of theological disagreement over the years. And so this can be a place where if you are reading a text and you are uncertain of of what you may think on a certain side of things, you can read multiple commentaries and, and read the insights of people who have gone before us and who have studied this and who you know, have served as, as preachers and bishops and monks and scholars throughout the years who have, have really dedicated their lives to knowing these types of things and be able to read those, take those in, and, and interpret those. So that's a really, yeah, that's just yeah. a really big part of what they do. Yeah, and a good commentary to your point about explaining the difficult parts, controversial parts, parts where there's multiple interpretation. A, a good commentary is going to explain both of those and are multiple points of view, and they're also going to reach back throughout church history and go to other pastors and scholars and people. Um, so you can imagine, especially historically, imagine you were a, a pastor or preacher in you know the frontier 200 years ago. You could get your hands on the Matthew Henry one I mentioned, and he's going to reference Calvin. He's going to reference uh, early church fathers. So, so you have how we viewed this throughout history. What What's the orthodox consensus so, mm-hmm. so that you're kind of in the faith uh, of our community, which I think is one of the good things you wanted to talk about, about one of the it values. Is. Yeah, it really leads into the next the next thing that we were thinking through is really the value that they bring. And it's almost easier to understand the value they bring by looking at what would happen if we didn't have them. And without them, quite honestly, we would be left to interpret the Bible on our own. We'd be left up to our own feelings and impressions as we sat with different books of the Bible. And in particular, ones that are challenging would leave us dumbfounded, quite mm-hmm. honestly, and we would have no idea what to do with it. And so these really bring us collective wisdom and research and scholarship and insights from all those who came before us, as Kevin was talking about. And there's one one example we talked about of what happens without it. You want to share a little bit about that? Yeah, <laughs> kind so, of an extreme example, but a good one. Sure. And, and we're not saying, I guess we should caveat because yeah. we like to do that. We're not saying you you can't just open the Bible and read and, and understand things. Um, you know, there's the theology of perspicuity. Everyone can understand the Bible. It's it's good, sufficient for salvation. You mm-hmm. can read the Gospels. Absolutely. You can understand your need for Christ. Um, <laughs> but go read Job. Okay, like let's just be honest. Revelation is difficult. The book of Revelation, I'm not talking about individual Revelation. They're just hard. And so if you just sit around and just say, hey, it, it's me and the Bible, not looking back through church history, uh, not looking at that community, reading in community that we talk about all the time on this pod, and 
You, you would just sit around and the only thing you could have to say if you don't understand something is just maybe how you feel or your thoughts or your guesses. And that's essentially how we got Jehovah's Witnesses. They all sat around together, uh, wanted to see what the Bible felt to them, and they rediscovered the Marcion heresy of, uh, of denying the Trinity. And so th- that's what happens when you don't stick with that kind of confessional credo looking back through history. And most commentaries are going to be published. Some are published by denominations. I have a few. Um, we'll talk. Maybe we'll talk about those later. Uh, they're published by the Southern Baptist Convention. So they're going to be kind of creedal. I know Baptists don't have a creed, but it's going to be in that sense. It's going to follow that specific line. Um, other publishers are going to require a certain level of orthodoxy. You mm-hmm. can't, you're not going to find a good scholarly um, evangelical commentary that denies the Trinity. It, it's And so it, it's some of these trickier issues that's going to help you have the deeper understanding. Sure. If you want to narrow it down, we have the Gospels. We know Christ existed. We know we need Christ. But if you want to expand upon that, it can become difficult. And these are really things to help deepen your study, especially in the the controversial and just the confusing parts. And you have this benefit of um, scholars who spend their whole life studying other scholars just to help you understand Colossians. Absolutely. Yes. And so that is a great entry point into all the different types of commentaries and how you might be tempted to try one out if you haven't before or to look at additional ones if you have stepped into the waters of commentary. So high-level overview of commentaries. There are lots of them. And as Kevin's probably going to talk about quickly, because he has more experience in this area than I do, having been um, in commentaries for much longer, there are a range in size and type. So you want to talk a little bit about all of that? Sure. So... At, at kind of the most basic level, you can find, and I think we have some recommendations later, but maybe I'll just jump into this one right now, uh, a single Bible commentary. <clears throat> and what I mean by that is it's a single book that will have commentary on every book of the Bible. Uh, it's going to give you an intro, very much like a study Bible. So this is really the next step. Um, you know, study Bible is that gateway drug into the commentaries. This is going to have uh, the intro into the book, to whom it was written, why, who wrote it. Maybe a little apologetic, you know, if some liberal scholars say that Paul didn't write it, they'll show you maybe why he did or why we should believe it, why we should believe in the resurrection, those sort of things. Probably some historical notes. Um, it's not going to be super detailed. It's going to be more detailed than your study Bible, but it's you're not going to go super, super deep. And we're not going to go verse by verse, but we're going to go maybe chapter by chapter. So a, a whole single volume commentary will not have the words of the Bible in there. And the one I'm looking at here is roughly the size of um, a large study Bible like the ESV study Bible. It's going to be around 3,000 pages. On the far other end of the spectrum, I have a book that's even bigger than that, and it's just on Romans. Mm -hmm. So there's a huge range. Um, You can have single volume, multi-volume, and then really once you start getting into that teaching level, you want to look at a, a, a single volume a single book that's going to be on a single book of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And there's there's also a range um, in the, the audience and the purpose of them within that too. And that kind of has the same spectrum that you talked about from being more on the devotional side of commentaries, commentaries mm-hmm. that are written oftentimes by pastors to help people understand and apply the Bible, whether for themselves or if they're teaching a Sunday school class or teaching a Bible study, they have more of a life application. What does this text mean for me now that I know more about it? all the way up to the high, high, high academic side, ones that I know you always joke, like if you 
what is it, if you can't read untransliterated Greek, they're not for you because they're they're just like that high, high academic seminary level as well. Yeah, there's some definite scholar. And, and the reason I point out the size, I think if you go to a Christian bookstore, I don't even know if they have commentaries, but if you're looking on Amazon and you're looking at the page numbers, you know, if you see, if you want one on Romans, if you see one that's 200 pages versus one that is over 3,000 pages, I mean, the difference is going to be in that 200 page, you're going to get some good information. Um, they're going to tell you why some of the theological topics matter. And and a lot of those, to Chris's point, are going to have maybe a devotional aspect or maybe a pastoral. Like, mm-hmm. why does this matter? Like, mm-hmm. you know, when, when we're talking in Romans 8, like, what what does that mean for me yeah. when when all things are work for good? So what, not, not in a selfish way, but how do you apply that to your life? Yeah. All the way up to all the scholarly arguments about the way you spell a certain word in Greek, which yeah. is not for everyone. Absolutely. Well, and, and you bought one not too long ago that that you may not have had you known a little bit more. The, the one on Revelation that we talked about. Yeah, uh, I don't. We won't. We'll get into this a little more in the recommendations later, I guess. But if you go to a top ten list, um, I think R.C. Sproul, his Ligonier, has some recommendation. Desiring God with Piper has one. There's actually a, a website called bestcommentaries.com, and then I'm drawing a blank on this other guy. I think he's in Canada. He's got a pretty good list. These are all you know, evangelical guys um, with teams and ministries that, that try to help you. Um, some of them will put multiple books. Some of them will put at least one book per book, so one commentary per, say, James. Uh, the problem with that is they range wildly. That some will be this kind of devotional aspect, a life application. Well, none of them will list a life application study Bible. Those are good. Or study Bible. Commentary. Those are good. They're not going to be on these. But, you know, again, the difference between what they list can be a 200-page book that has no Greek versus a 1,300-page book where you have to read Greek. So this this Revelation one I have, and I bought this before I knew that. Everyone agreed that the New International Greek Commentary on Revelation is the best single volume commentary on Revelation. I do not know enough Greek to really even read it. (laughs) (laughs) And half of the pages on each page are footnotes to other scholarly works, and it's just, it's not helpful. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think that's (laughs) part of what inspires a conversation like this and why we think this podcast is hopefully helpful because yeah you bought it and you were like well this doesn't help me right now at all yet and so if you know if we can avoid yes yet i know that's on your list of things to do um so hopefully that's a good insight into what it could look like if you you know are learning your way around commentaries but so i, I think as an overview as kevin was talking about they can focus you know they can have one book that's on the entirety of the bible there can also be commentaries on on the testaments themselves like uh, an old testament commentary and a new testament commentary often paired together in a set there can be ones that are more literary collections, and then there can be ones, to his point, of one per book of the Bible. So a really extensive one on Romans and, and that sort of thing. So if you are wondering, and this is a question that we, we were tossing around ourselves, if you've been reading the Bible for some time and you've had a study Bible and you are wondering right now, how do you know if you may be ready, in a sense, for a commentary? Because it can sound a little intimidating if you haven't ever done it before. It feels like this uncharted area to step into. What would you say, Kevin, is maybe a sign that you're ready to try out a commentary? I'd say if you are really enjoying uh, a, a good study Bible and, and really want to dig deeper, that that would be step one. So, you know, go back to our study Bible one. If you have one of the, the big boys, as we called them, you know, the Zondervan or the Biblical Theological Study Bible, and you're like, man, I, I really want to keep diving down. I, I really want to go verse by verse. 
um, for the whole Bible, for your edification, or if there's maybe a particular book you find um, confusing. So there's a ton of resources out there on Revelation and Genesis, right? Because those are some very confusing, very um, hot topics, I guess (laughs) we could say. So there's, uh, you know, they're controversial. So that's one option, something that you just want to dive in a little deeper. Another option may be something that excites you. Um, If you want to jump into the Psalms, you know, we did a whole Mm -hmm. series on the Psalms uh, that you can go back and check out. And a commentary on the Psalms can help you dive in deeper and and help you understand that more. Um, You know, or some of the New Testament letters, James, Hebrews, people find those very meaningful and it can help you kind of grow in that way. So I think, I think people can be intimidated. You know, they, they, they're big books. Uh, People don't always read books. They can seem uh, difficult, but a lot of them, are really written, a lot of them are written by pastors, even if they are also seminary professors. Um, they're, they're written for a popular level. They're written to help you dive deep. They're written to help you teach people. They're written for Sunday school teachers and Bible study teachers. And I think um, I think there's a lot of value there. Yes. And so for anyone who's listening right now who is thinking, that sounds a lot like me, and who then may also be thinking, well, where do I begin what kind of things would you talk that person through and what kind of recommendations would you make as far as how to pick your first one? I'd recommend starting with a, a single volume commentary. Uh, like I just mentioned, that's going to make sure that it's something you want to get into. It's also, it's going to be enough insight to help you on an indi- individual Bible study or even if you're teaching or, or working with another group. If you want to go further, there's a few things that you want to look at uh, to kind of avoid what we were saying earlier. <laughs> Uh, for, I mean, for one thing, the, the number of pages does matter. If you go to the bookstore, you see a book, you open it up, it's 1,200 pages, you flip it open, there's Hebrew and Greek letters, and it's you've not got a commentary before, go ahead and put that one back down. <laughs> so that would be one way. Um, and, and we'll go through some recommendations here in a little bit, but I think a, another way is that it depends on your context, what you're trying to do. So some of them are a little bit more on the academic side. Some are going to be a little more pastoral. And the great thing about all these is there will be um, a series editor. And usually that's maybe one person. Usually it's one guy on the New Testament one person on the Old Testament. And they'll write an introduction to the series explaining how they want it to be used. So if you pick up, for instance, I'm looking at two right here. One is um, the New International Commentary on the New Testament. You open that one up, it's going to keep talking about students. They're talking about seminary students. Uh, Right next to that, also on Romans, is the story of God in the Bible. You open that up, and the series intro is going to be talking about how it helps you promote discussion, how it can help you in your personal devotional life. So I I think reading the series intro is going to be the most important. Well, first... Narrow down to the smaller books if you're getting started, and then read that that series intro. Yeah, I think that is is awesome advice. So now I think it's time to jump into just a, a high overview of some of the common series types. You have a couple that you recommend. I know you you talked about starting with a, a single volume at the beginning. So we're going to, in a sense, talk about these from 
how you would you could potentially start with one and then some stepping points along the way as you were to grow in your usage of them. So the first one and one that you have that is really one that you started with as well is the new Bible commentary, which you said was really perfect for beginners in that sense. So you want to talk a little bit about that one real quick? Yeah, it, it is. It, it's written at the level of commentary, or sorry, commentary notes, because it's a commentary. It's also written at the level of Bible study notes. So if you have a study Bible, this is not going to be intimidating. It's mostly written by pastors who are also scholars, and so you kind of have that guidance for study. Uh, this is recommended by uh, R.C. Sproul, by Piper. I have, it's called the New Bible Commentary, 21st Century Edition. That's actually their third edition. Interestingly, my granddad, when he started teaching Sunday school back in the 70s, he got the first edition of this one. So it has a special place for me. Um, you go online, you'll see two or three different uh, single volume commentaries, but this is going to be the one on most top people's list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know what? In fact, this is one of the ones when I had mentioned wanting to start using them on my own, this was one of the ones that you pointed me to as well. And so I've actually opened this one up quite a few times in looking at specific passages and chapters of certain books along the way. And I've really enjoyed it because it does, it, it's just a simpler entry point and it feels, it feels deeper than what I was getting from my study Bible, but it felt still accessible and pastoral and and just very understandable at that too. So I think that is a great recommendation there. The next one up after that is um, is when you're calling a five volume one that you, it's the Expositors yeah, Commentary. Yeah, it's the Expositors Bible Commentary. It's, I believe it's five volumes and maybe six. We should probably double check that or not leave it in. But this is also going to be highly recommended. Um, you know, this is for exposition of the text. This is pretty valuable for, uh, again, for teaching, teaching a Bible study, teaching Sunday school. Of course, it's great for your own personal devotion and understanding. And what it's going to do is have, you know, one volume on the Torah, the first five books. It's going to have one volume on, I believe, uh, prophecy and history, and then one on, you know, wisdom literature. And then for the New Testament, it's going to have one on the Gospels and Acts and then one on the letters. So again, kind of thinking of size, you're going to be growing in comments. It's going to start to give you more of that cultural background, but you're still going to have those pastoral notes about what this means uh, why this matters, th- those sort of things. Mm-hmm. And then from there, if you're ready to go up to a huge commentary set, one of the biggest recommendations you had is this one called the New American Commentary. Yeah, this is one of the few that it actually does the entire Bible. Um, as in they have, it's, I don't know, it's 25, 30 volumes, maybe more than that. Um, I have one here, let's see. I have the all of these four um the Minor Prophets, which there's 12 books in the Minor Prophets. I believe there's five books. Um, you know, you're going to get one from Matthew. I think they put Luke and Acts together. They put some of Paul's letters. Of course, you know, a couple Peters are together, the two Peters. Uh, so, you know, Genesis and Exodus, I think, are put together. So, mm-hmm. the, so again, we're, we're, going, we're going longer. We're going more words, which gives you a little more depth. We're going to get a little more specificity. Mm-hmm. But it's still very accessible. Uh, you wouldn't need to know any Greek or Hebrew uh Really, anyone who is ready could just jump. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but these are accessible enough that if you are like, man, I think I'm going to love commentaries, I'm going to jump in, you could you could skip up to these. Um, the only problem is I wouldn't recommend just getting a, a giant 30-40 volume set written by one you know, one publishing house. So you kind of want to search around for each yeah. each type. Well, and to be clear, you don't have to get it in bulk. You can buy the individual books. Yes, yes, sorry, sorry. The commentary series. So you could buy, as Kevin yeah. mentioned, he has the ones for the Minor Prophets. So he has just those within the overall series. Yeah, and if you go online, again, you know, the Matthew one for this is very good. 
Um, I think I'm trying. I don't want to say one of them is bad, but some of them are, are less rated. And so that's that's the confusing thing, and that's why people make these lists. Is that uh, if you re- you know a, a pastor is going to have well probably a commentary or two, but they're not going to buy a whole series. They're going to have a commentary on each book of the Bible or maybe each section to help them understand. And that's why buying these giant sets. And there's only a few that actually do Old and New Testament and mm-hmm. one of each book. So. Yeah, and after that, I think it really just becomes increasingly academic. Mm-hmm. They're they're more and more academic in nature. Um, but, you know, in your words earlier as we were preparing, you still don't need to necessarily go to seminary in order to understand. They can be great for all of us lay people in the <laughs> world, um, but they do take you into a higher academic way of thinking. And some of the, the approaches to the, the text are, are more in that academic style. And so you have several recommendations here that I know you wanted to read through just in case someone really is at that stage and they're just like, yes, take me even deeper. Where do I go? Yeah. And then, sorry, it's not on the notes. I know that drives you nuts. But before we, they're going back to kind of that next level before this, another good option that covers everything and is still very pastoral will be the, the Tyndall commentaries. Mm. They do Old and New Testament. Uh, they're a little bit shorter and, and very accessible. Uh, my favorite commentary, I, I like the way they do everything on this, is probably the Pillar series. And um, that's only on the New Testament. And what I like about this is it's it's probably one of the best. I think it really helped pastors and preachers, you know, prepping for sermons. But it's also extremely helpful if you're leading Bible studies and you want to go to that deeper level because there's a certain amount of academic value to it. Like a, a student could use this still, a seminary student or Bible study student. Um, I'm looking at James here. It's 250 pages, but probably the first 50 or 60 are going to be about James, about the you know the Jewish diaspora that he's writing to, the purpose for writing the book. You're going to get a lot of socioeconomic background, not necessarily for James, but maybe something like Colossians you'll get things about the city. Um, the Ephesian one talks about uh, the, the temples that are in there and the, the religiosity of the people there and so kind of what they're writing against. But this one also still has um, almost like prayers in it and it also still talks about like the value of, of, of why this matters and why we can you know delight in Christ and why uh, because the next step is going to take you kind of away from that. And I'll give two uh, quickly as we wrap this up uh, for Old Testament. And this is pretty much going to be um, just academic at this point. There's not going to be very much devotional. Um, you know, there's not going to be much pastoral. There's not going to be much personal life application, uh, mostly academic, but still fairly accessible if uh, you feel you're ready to take that next level of study that you're kind of familiar with commentaries and you've been studying for a while. Uh, the Word Bible Commentary for the Old Testament I think they have some of the best on Genesis that you'll find. I think most, you know, again, you go online, you'll find these to be one of the highest rated. Same with the Psalms. I really like their setup. Uh, this is one that's going to go verse by verse. There's going to be, you know, the author's going to do their own translations. There'll be some footnotes here or there, um, but still still very accessible. A uh, The next step above those, and this would be, you'd have to be a fairly serious scholar, would be something like the New International Commentary. They're going to have some Greek, they're going to have some Hebrew in there, and you can find one of these on every book of the Bible. Um, They are one of the few that also do the whole breadth of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, They have some very, very highly rated ones, um, like like Romans, uh, Luke, uh, I believe some of the, maybe Isaiah or one of those are up there. Um, 
they're going to be tough. I'd recommend this for people who are serious about taking a very academic approach. Uh, that's going to be for pastors, you know, seminary students, or or if you're leading a very, you know, maybe like a Bible study 201, a higher level, and which I encourage people to do. Um, another one that's similar to that, but only for the New Testament would be uh, Baker, but that's maybe also more in the Word type, so it's going to be kind of in between those two. I probably should have mentioned that one earlier. And then and then the high scholarly, the Greek um, New International Commentary. Uh, I have two of these actually, and like I said, they're. Uh, they're difficult to use. <laughs> yeah, they're probably not for most. <laughs> but <laughs> they're I guess. definitely not even for me. They're for scholars interacting with other scholars for <laughs> yeah. the most part. They're very, they're very they're, high academic. So to understand what these are, the reason why they're on list, I guess maybe this is helpful, is because they're very highly cited. They're cited by those other academic commentaries. <laughs> so scholars are writing, or even pastors or theologians are writing, and you know the commentary on Romans, and they're using the Greek commentary mm-hmm. text. So yeah. again, I do not recommend those for most people. Yeah, um, and I think lastly to round that out, there's a different category entirely that we're going to call focused commentaries and your favorite in this and one that you've actually piqued my interest in as we've been talking about it is the story of God in the Bible commentary series. So tell us about that. Yeah, that's, you know, one of the most ridiculous comments, uh, I guess reviews I saw on Amazon for, I think it's the Sermon on the Mount one I have, was maybe this is good for Sunday school teachers. Hmm. And they gave it like a two star. I have no idea why you would disparage that. This is a great book. You're not going to have footnotes. Um, you have some end notes, obviously, for further reading, but it's, it's, I don't know, it's, go find it, look through it, you can see, maybe we'll put some pictures up, but the, the overriding concept is, and, and they've done, they haven't finished the series, there's some Old Testament, there's some New Testament, and then there's a Sermon on the Mount one, uh, but they want to look at the overarching redemptive history of the Bible, mm-hmm. like what is God doing in the Bible, and so it's a little bit narrow. They're not going to get into arguments about Greek phrases. You're going to get a little bit of backgrounds, like what's happening in Ephesians, but it's not going to be, you know, you're not going to hear about like the GDP of Ephesus, yeah. like you will in some of the others. And I, I think they're great for discussions. There's discussion questions in there, in them, that you can use with people. We're actually hoping maybe to use the Romans version of this with some others for a study we're doing here soon. Um, but I, I'd highly recommend those. Uh, yeah, and, you know, it's funny enough, and even in discussing it with you, I, I may have actually been convinced to add this to my list for 2022 for books. Oh, nice. <laughs> I know. I haven't even mentioned that yet, but <laughs> that one in particular, the Sermon on the Mount, because that's just, I mean, that's just such a great passage of scripture that mm-hmm. it kind of just piqued my interest that much that I may be making space for it. So stay tuned if that happens. <laughs> um, anything else in that category you want to talk about? Yeah, just briefly. I mean, again, you can get some archaeological type ones that are going to really go into background. You can get this socio-rhetorical. You can get into economic ones. And there's some other backgrounds. I'm not as familiar with those. I would, while they're focused, I'd say those are pretty um, pretty scholarly and academic. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they'd, maybe they can help, but I, I, you you get enough of that in a good commentary like Baker, Word, uh, Pillar, that I don't, I don't know if I'd recommend those. I've, yeah. I've not bought any. Gotcha. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Um, Again, our our hope in this is really just to spur some thought and some excitement around diving into commentaries, especially if you haven't yet, because they are just full of of knowledge and understanding and just lots of insights into things that really deepen your study. So that is our, our hope through this. 
As you always hear us say, we invite you to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. We have been so excited that you have listened to this series that has covered translations and study Bibles and commentaries. We would love to hear from you. We love listener feedback, and we'd love to know what kind of thoughts and questions this may have surfaced for you that you may be having about some of these areas or particular experiences you've had as you've dived into these these studies yourself. So we invite you to send us an email at moderncloister at gmail.com or connect with us on social media, which you can find me at Carissa Turner on both Twitter and Instagram. And hopefully I'll have a post on commentaries up on mondaymorningtheologian.com. Uh, you can find me at J. Kevin Turner or the Kevin Turner, depending on whether it's Twitter or Instagram <laughs> or whether I remember my login. Um, you can ma- mainly find Carissa and ask her, and I'll get you some recommendations <laughs> if you have more questions about commentaries. And you can always find us at moderncloister.com, and you can go back and listen to any of our episodes from last year if you're new to the podcast as well, and find us on all the major podcast players also. So see you next time. Thanks for joining us.